It's my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, your Bible turn to the book of Acts. In this series, we've been in the Gospels all year, but today we come to the book of Acts. Last Sunday, Pastor challenged us to believe God for a doubling in 2024. And you might say, is that possible? Well, Jesus, our Lord, told us that with the Lord, all things are possible. So we have to have faith in God, and we have to have faith in his word. It's amazing in the Bible how many people secured their miracle without a prayer ever being prayed, without a specific word from the Lord. Part of faith is simply making up your mind to not be sick, to not be bound, to not be oppressed, to not be in lack or in need, and like Bartimaeus in the Gospels, to refuse to be denied. Today, we come to the book of Acts. Jesus had given his life. He had been buried. He had been raised from the dead. His disciples did as he told them to do. They waited in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our counselor, our helper. And so we come to the first miracle of the church age. And today we're still living in the church age, this time period of the Gentiles. In the Gospels, you can go to the parable of the vineyard, and Jesus tells the account of how the Father owns the vineyard. There are tenants in that vineyard, and when he sends his prophets or his servants to collect, they mistreat the prophets, they mistreat his servants. Finally, he sends his son to collect the rent that is due, and they say, this is the heir, let's kill him outside the vineyard, it's about Christ. They killed him outside the city. And Jesus said in that parable that the vineyard would be given to others. That's us, Gentiles, the church. We are in the church age. You might have heard my father describe the church age as the age or the dispensation of the grace of God. In Luke chapter four, Jesus quotes from Isaiah and he says, this is the year of the Lord's favor if you look up that reference in Isaiah, in the very same verse, the very next part of the verse, Jesus didn't quote it, you find out what comes next after this time period of God's favor, after this time period of God's grace. Isaiah saw it. What comes next is the day of vengeance of our God, a time period of judgment. But praise God, right now, we're still in the church age. Right now, we're still in this time period of the grace of God. And we come to the first miracle recorded in the book of Acts, 
during the church age. And it is an important miracle. And we see in this miracle how we are to operate as New Testament believers under the new covenant. Early in the year, when pastor was studying this passage, the Lord gave him these points, and they're important. Number one, we're healed by our faith in Jesus. Number one, we're healed by our faith in Jesus. Number two, we're healed by our faith in his name, in the name of Jesus. We are healed by our faith in the name of Jesus. And number three, we're healed by our faith in the word of God. He is the word made flesh. If you were to ask me what Christmas is all about, yes, it is the most wonderful time of year. Yes, it is a season to be grateful and generous and all those things. It's a time to see children open presents and all the joy that goes with it. But what is Christmas all about? It's what John says in John chapter one, the word was made flesh and he was made flesh on our behalf, born of a woman. And the book of Acts tells us who we are to be because of what Jesus did for us. Now there's a mentality out there in the church world that that was then, this is now, but that's wrong thinking. We are still in the church age. And I don't believe anything in the word of God is coincidence. If you read the gospel of Luke, then read the book of Acts, and the same person wrote both, that is Luke the physician who traveled with the apostle Paul, he completed the book of Acts before the death or martyrdom of the apostle Paul. So the book of Acts ends open-ended. And I don't believe that's chance or coincidence. It is because of the fact that we are still in the church age. And we're all to be doing the works of Jesus. Every believer, not just those in full-time ministry, every believer. I want to review those three points again. We are, number one, healed by our faith in Jesus. Number two, we are healed by our faith in his name. Number three, we are healed by our faith in his word. Matthew 8, 17 tells us that Jesus took up our infirmities and he carried away our diseases. Peter tells us, 1 Peter 2, 24, quoting Isaiah 53, but in the past tense, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Why don't we say that? Say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Say, I have been healed by the stripes, by the wounds of Jesus. Now, the basis for the first miracle in the church age is what Jesus taught the disciples in John chapter 14. John 14, beginning in verse 13, he was teaching them about this new life, this new life in him, this new life under the new covenant, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And it's wonderful that we know from the New Testament, from the Word of God, that we can ask and receive. As Jesus said elsewhere, we can ask and receive, and our joy will be complete. But if you've been on Wednesday nights in the last year or two, you know that there's more here in John 14, 13, and 14. The, the word ask in those verses is not 
the best translation. The, the actual word is ataiate, which comes from the Greek word ateo, which means demand. Whatever you demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant. Knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what family you're a part of, knowing what the word says, knowing who is your father. And we can say on the basis of the message today, knowing the power of the name of Jesus. And so this gives us a different understanding. And I will do whatever you demand, whatever you demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant in my name, so the son may bring glory to the father. Verse 14, you may ask, but again, that word is, comes from the word ateo, which means demand. You may demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant, anything in my name, and I will do it. We could say it this way, I will back you up. Now, when we say demand, does that mean we boss God around? Does that mean we tell the Lord what to do? You know, we still have a little one. She's three. She can be very demanding. You know, she wakes up, she wants a donut. In fact, she wants donuts every day. Well, we're not getting donuts every day, but she'll wake up, you know, good morning, donut. Donut, 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 donut. You know, us adults may not get confession, but children understand confession. And Emily calls those donuts into existence. But you know, you get them all situated, got them all settled, you think you can finally eat your breakfast? No, nope. donut, wants another one, or milk. It can be very demanding. And, and again, the parents have to draw the line. You're not going to boss us around. Not going to tell us what to do. You're going to ask nicely. You're going to use the magic word, which is please. You know, be sweet about it. Not be demanding. That's not the kind of demanding I'm talking about. It's not the kind of demanding that Jesus was talking about. Knowing who you are in Christ as a child of God. Knowing what family you're a part of, knowing the rights and the privileges that belong to you, and then on the basis of the word of God, which is his will, then it, at times led by the Holy Spirit, we make a demand of faith in the name of Jesus, whether for us or on someone else's behalf. And that's exactly what we see in Acts chapter three. So let's go to Acts chapter three, beginning in verse one, and we come to the first miracle of the church age. Jesus had told them, Luke 24, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And they did as Jesus said. They gathered together in the upper room. They prayed. They waited. The Holy Spirit came. They were filled with the Spirit. A crowd gathered in amazement. And Peter preached one of the greatest sermons in the history of the church. No notes. No iPad, no index cards, no teleprompter like our politicians used. How did the uneducated, unschooled fishermen who had denied Jesus three times, who had just been restored to ministry, how did he give one of the greatest sermons that have ever been preached in the history of the world? Well, he had received the filling of the Holy Spirit. So needless to say, they were on fire. They were fired up, and they got busy doing what they saw Jesus do. Acts 3, beginning in verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, 
where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, we often just gloss right over these details, and we don't pay attention, and we have wrong concepts. And to give you an example of this, I would remind you of John chapter 5, I believe it's John 5, when Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus went, people that were in need would gather around this pool. They had the belief that occasionally the waters would be stirred. They believed an angel did that. Right or wrong, they believed the first person in would get healed. Jesus went, there was a man that had been an invalid for many decades. He said, do you want to get well? Seemed like an odd question, but the man was healed. Later, Jesus told him to stop sinning. My point is Jesus healed that man. The Gospel of John does not tell us that he healed every person at the pool that day. See, we get, we get wrong thinking in our heads. We think, well, if I could just go back then, if I could just be where Jesus was, I could get my answer. Well, when he went to Nazareth, the Bible says that he was unable to do any mighty miracles there in his hometown because of their unbelief or their lack of faith. And we come to a similar thing here Verse 2 says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. It's all right to think in church. Think about this. He had been put there every day to beg at the temple. So how many times had Jesus passed this way? How many times had Jesus passed by this man? And we have to remind ourselves that as Jesus said in John's gospel, that he did whatever he saw the Father do. Or as Luke tells us repeatedly in the gospel, Luke, that he did what he did as led by the Holy Spirit. You go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, we find out that the gifts operate as the Holy Spirit wills. Praise God for when the Holy Spirit moves. But I have good news and that is, we can make a move. We can make a move. Now, we, we can have this attitude like the people gathered around the pool of Bethesda. Well, I'm going to just sit here and wait till something happens. Or we can make a move. And you might say, well, Austin, how do we make a move? That's what John 14, 13, and 14 is all about. When we know who we are in Christ. When we take our place in Christ. When we understand the rights, the benefits, the privileges that belong to us in Christ, we know what the word says, and we do as Peter does here in Acts 3, we make a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. And God will back us up because he honors his word. He confirms his word. And that's what Peter did. Verse 3, when the crippled man saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He was crippled. He was in need of help. Back then, if you were physically disabled, there was no social safety net. He needed help. He needed money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Now religion, you know, I went to seminary. I was in school a long time. Religion will make much of verse 6, but it's dishonest, and I'll tell you why. If you re read the beginning of the book of Acts carefully, 
They walked in such love and unity and generosity, the Bible says that there were no needy among them. The Bible even says that there were those that came and donated land and property that the proceeds would be used to distribute to anyone as they had need. So needless to say, Peter and John were not in need. In those days, they would carry a money bag. They had gone to the temple for the time of prayer, so they didn't take the money bag with them. But think about it. This man crippled, he needed money. But with what's about to happen, this is a man who's going to be able to go to work the next day to provide for himself and to provide for his family. It's okay to think when you come to church. It's okay to think when you read and study the Word of God. And we have to set aside wrong religious ideas. The Bible says that there was such overwhelming generosity in the early church that there were no needy among them. This man thought he needed money, but what he really needed was the healing power of God. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Not a long prayer, a simple command or demand of faith. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter did what Jesus taught them to do in John 14, 13, and 14. He made a demand of faith. He made a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. And Peter also demanded the man take action, that he walked. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. So notice, as we've seen in other miracles, as this man took action, and praise God for his grace and mercy, why did Peter do things the way he did? He, he was being led by the Holy Spirit, perhaps doing what he saw himself do in the Spirit, but being led by the Spirit, he helped the man. Praise God for his grace and mercy. But as the man was helped, and as the man took action, as he tried, the Bible says that instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Every year you don't move. Every year you don't walk. You know, those parts of your body weaken. The Bible says instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. So yes, Peter helped him, but the man of his own initiative jumped to his feet and began to walk on his own. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. I love that. Walking and leaping and praising God. He had been placed there every day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, to beg. But no more. No more. No more. Peter was there for the time of prayer. Didn't have the money bag with him. The very beginning of Acts, you can read in Acts 1 that the Judas guy was gone, so they had to replace him. And they did so with a man named Matthias. He, the treasurer wasn't there, the money bag wasn't there. Peter said, silver or gold have I none, but what I have, I give you. See, when you're born again, Paul tells us that we are born of the Spirit of God. Paul tells us that when you're born again, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead indwells you. 
And again, part of our wrong thinking as well, that there's the professional clergy, and then there's everybody else. Every believer, even the little ones sitting in, they're in children's church right now that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Every believer is part of what we call the priesthood of believers. Every single believer. And we all have access to the power of God. We all have access to the anointing of God. And we all have access to the name of Jesus. And we all have access, whether we realize it or not, to making a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. Silver or gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We then have Peter's testimony, verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Now see what religion will say is, well, that was Peter. Well, that's why you got to read the Word of God for yourself. Peter said, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? There are wrong things religion says. Religion will say that, well, after the last of the 12, that was it, and God never moved, God never did another miracle. That's nonsense. And if you'll take the time to read the book of Acts, you'll see that that's nonsense. Yes, on this day, a wonderful miracle happened with Peter, one of the 12. But if you read on in the book of Acts, you will find that God did great signs and wonders through other believers that were not one of the 12, like Stephen, like Philip the evangelist. And Peter himself said on this day, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? So it was not Peter or John's power. It was not Peter or John's holiness. No, Peter gave the credit and the glory to God. Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And here's the key, verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus. So you might have it in your head, well, that was Peter, and I'm me. No, you got to get that, set that wrong thinking aside. If you're born again, you're part of the family of God. If you're born again, you're a child of God. If you're born again, you're a part of the family of God just as much as Peter was. And he said, men, don't stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. What's the key? Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus. And any believer can use the name of Jesus. Even a 
six-year-old or a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old in children's church can use the name of Jesus. If you've never read The Believer's Authority by Kenneth Hagin Sr., I would encourage you to get a copy and read it. And part of the story of that book is that in the late 70s and 80s, it changed the Christian community in Europe, in communist Europe. You watch documentaries about that time, and we think, well, President Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, chair down this wall, and that's all it took. Part of the untold story is that for a decade or more before, believers all across Europe, Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel believers, they had gained access to the believer's authority. And they had a revelation of who they were in Christ. They had a revelation of the rights, the benefits, and the privileges that belonged to them in Christ Jesus. They had a revelation of what we call the priesthood of the believer. That any believer has the right to make a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. And so before our president at that time ever said that, believers in Europe in prayer had been saying, tear down this wall in Jesus' name. We have great authority in the name of Jesus. And any believer, even if someone just got saved last Sunday, even if a child just prayed the prayer in children's church, any believer can use the name of Jesus. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. So again, number one, we are healed by our faith in Jesus. Number two, we are healed by our faith in his name. And number three, we are healed by his, our faith in his word. How did this miracle happen? By faith in God and faith in the name of Jesus. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. Why don't we all say this? Say, it is Jesus' name. Say it again. It is the name of Jesus. And that's why in public, whether at a ball game or a public event or city hall or Congress or these godless universities, if there's prayer, you can pray, but not in what name? The name of Jesus. Because it is the name of Jesus that has dominion. It is the name of Jesus that has power. As the Bible says, his name is the name that is above every name. And at his name, every demon must bow. And there's coming a day when every tongue will confess that name. It is Jesus' name. Why don't we say that again? Say, it is the name of Jesus. So when there is a need, how do we pray? in that name. When, when there's a sickness in our body or a, or a child's body, how do we pray? In the name of Jesus. When Satan shows up and there's a manifestation, how do we speak or how do we demand? How do we pray? In the name of Jesus. It is the name that is above every name. And for 2,000 years, we've heard Peter was special. <laughs> but the answer's been there all along. In Acts chapter 3, it is by faith 
in the name of Jesus. It is his name, the name that is above every name. See, that, that miracle, as Peter preached that day in his little testimony, his little sermonette, they had, as he said, killed the author of life. God had raised him from the dead. What proof did Peter have of that? That that man who had been there crippled every day was walking and leaping and praising God. How did this happen? It is by that name, the name that is above every name. He has said to him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And this lifelong cripple had been healed. Again, we are healed by our faith in Jesus. We are healed by our faith in his name. And we are healed by our faith in his word. In this miracle, we also see the four steps of faith we've seen in many miracles. Peter said it. The crippled man did it and received it. He then told it with joy and enthusiasm. I love the King James, verse 8, and he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was he who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. As we saw, Peter also told it, verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. In simple, childlike faith, Peter did what Jesus had taught them to do. He made a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. And God confirmed his word with signs following. And that's what Jesus had told them would happen in Mark 16, verse 20. Mark 16, 20 says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. See, it's not us that God confirms. It is his word. Remember Peter had told the crowd it was not by his or John's power or godliness, but by faith in the name of Jesus. In the early church, men like Peter and Stephen, they spoke words of faith in the name of Jesus. And that's why we as believers have to understand who we are in Christ. Once a year on Anniversary Sunday or Vision Sunday, we, Pastor and I will lay hands on everybody in faith for your anointing and blessing and prosperity in the new year. We also will lay hands upon the sick as led by the Holy Spirit and we'll minister that way as led by the Holy Spirit. But why don't we do that all the time? Or why don't we do that every, every service? It's because we want you to know that we're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all a part of the priesthood of believers. That any believer, even a child in children's church, can make a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. That we're, we're all a part of the body of Christ. And in this world, we are all to be the hands and feet of Jesus. My father can't minister to everyone. He can't talk to everyone. He can't pray for everyone. I can't either. That's why we're all to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Where you go to school, where you go to work, the people you know, we are all to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's what the priesthood of believers is all about. We are all, every believer, even a child in children's church, we are all the sons and daughters of God. 
we all, every believer, have access to the name that is above every name. We all, every believer, have his spirit. And so we all, every believer, have the right to use the name of Jesus. Jesus had told them in John 14, 13, and 14, and I will do whatever you, and again, what's really there is demand. We could say it this way, whatever you demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant, so the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus said in John 15, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. He said in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Then he said in John 16, beginning in verse 23, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. That wasn't just for the 12. Well, Brother Austin, you know, after the last of the 12, that was it. People can't read. People can't do math. If you want to just talk about the apostles, then there was Paul. Then there was Barnabas. Then there was an apostle, Apollos. The Bible says that Priscilla and Aquila taught to him the way of God more adequately. Then there was Junia. Don't even get me started on that. Then there were the seven. Stephen, Philip the evangelist. It's all throughout the New Testament. It's all throughout church history. We, every believer has access to the name of Jesus. Any believer can use or make a demand of faith in the name of Jesus. T.L. Osborne taught my parents and me that the disciples, the early church, these men and women, they saw Jesus at work in his word. They saw Jesus at work in the world. And then they saw Jesus at work in them. And that's why we say all the time that what God has done in your life, he wants to do through your life. So in 2024, see Jesus at work in you, in your life. And see Jesus at work through your life. You lead some people to the Lord in 2024. You lay your hands on the sick and offer to pray for those in need in 2024. What God has done in your life, God now wants to do through your life. We are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. And remember, it's not about our power or our holiness or our earning it or deserving it. What did Peter tell them in Acts 3 verse 16? It is by faith in the name of Jesus. It is by faith in the name of Jesus. And as it says in Mark 16, 20, what does God confirm? His word. What God has done in your life, he now wants to do through you. Say, say this, say, I will take my place. Say, I will live as a child of God with the full rights, benefits, and privileges. Say, I will use the name of Jesus. Say, I will make demands of faith on the basis of God's word in the name of Jesus. 
say in 2024, I will destroy the works of the enemy in the name of Jesus. See, religion would have us believe that, 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 there, that only the few can do these things. It is for every believer. And every believer is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. See, we, we, we downplay the power of that name. You know, it's sad how squishy and how soft things have gone in Western Christianity. You know, in the 50s, Christianity Today was a good magazine. A couple years ago, they ran an article discouraging people from praying over their food in public because that might make other people feel uncomfortable. Now, even when you go to lunch, even when you pause, even when you make the waiter or waitress wait because they weren't trained any better, or they didn't have a mom or dad that raised them in church or taught them to pray, even when you make everybody around you wait and you say, let's hold hands, let's pray over our food, let's pray in the name of Jesus. It is powerful. It is by faith in the name of Jesus. That's why it says in Exodus, he blesses our bread and our water, and he takes sickness and disease away from our midst. You have adults, they're ashamed to pray over their food, but all the little children in children's church, none of them are ashamed to pray over their food. They pray in the name of Jesus. So use that name. Someone comes to you with a need, a worry, a concern, physical challenge, use that name. You have been authorized. You have been authorized. You have been authorized. And we all, every believer, is to use that name. Please bow your heads. Peter went on that day speaking to the crowd that gathered in amazement. And he said in Acts 3, verse 19, that they were, they were amazed by this healing and wondered what to do. And he said, just as he said on the day of Pentecost, repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent then, turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He told them the reason that God sent his son. He said, he sent him to you, first to you, to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways, to bless you by turning your life around, by blessing you, to turn you from the direction you're headed in, which leads to destruction, to turn you in the way that leads to life. That is the goodness and the love of God. You might be here today and say, Austin, I, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I've never given my life to him, but I know I need to. I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to do as Peter said that day, I want to repent and I want to turn to God. I want to repent. I want to give my life to God. If you're here today and say, Austin, I need, I need to do that. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. You might also be here today in a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you're not right with God. 
You've gone your own way. You've done your own thing. Maybe you've blamed the troubles that you face on God, but you know in your heart you're not right with God. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. Pray with me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God before I leave. That's you. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand to where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. You might be watching or listening online later. See a hand? Okay. We're going to pray. If you raised your hand for either invitation, come join me at the front. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't, but the Lord is dealing with your heart. We're going, going to pray. We'll give just a moment. If you raised your hand, didn't raise your hand, but this call is for you. To give your life to the Lord or recommit your life to the Lord, we're going to pray. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and time's gone by. I've gone my own way and I have paid the price. But today... I give my life to you. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. Thank you for filling my life with your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me, healing me, blessing me, setting me free in Jesus' name. Amen. That was for you after the service. You can see the wonderful people at guest services. If you don't have a Bible, they'll bless you with the Bible. We also have a book by my father called God's Very Own Child, short, simple, help you get started in living the Christian life. If you're watching or listening online now or later, go to the website. There's a graphic there on the homepage or go to the salvation page, fill out a short form. We wanna be a blessing to you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll send you a Bible. We'll also send you God's very own child, English or Spanish, help you get started in living the Christian life. God, he is good. After the services last Sunday, got one of those emails from a family where family had prayed to give their lives to the Lord. And they were requesting Bibles for the family, for the parents and for the children. I thought that was so wonderful, amen? It made me so happy to read that and to see that. The Lord is good. So we've got to set aside, yes, if you email, you want me or Pastor Sue to pray, we'll pray. Amen. We will pray. But did you know you can pray? We'll pray for your friend. We'll pray for your co We'll pray for whatever it is. But you can pray. You're a believer. You've been authorized. You can use the name of Jesus. We, have all, we are all to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world.